see everybody gets nervous when I come up here to the pulpit. Who oh, better sit down? Well, Greg called me out. You know, I went to a uh, uh, concert once, and uh, um, the uh, the band that I was there to see was only vaguely Christian, but they this guy opened for them that was really really good, and uh, and he talked about how uh, you know if we if we come in this place and we lift our hands up to God and we don't uh, we don't leave this place changed and we don't reach out with those same hands to touch the world around us and and strengthen our brethren and that kind of thing, then we've not worshipped God but a singer and a song. And uh, I thought, wow, this guy really had some good stuff to say, you know. And and there were these young girls uh, a few rows back from the front that were having some kind of quiet conversation while he was talking. And he just stopped. He said, excuse me, but is whatever you're talking about more important than worshipping God? And then he just kind of stared at him. I'm like, wow, okay, so he's he's uh, not out to make any friends with these people who've paid to be here. I like this guy. So I've uh, thought about that a lot over the years. I thought, wow, that was really interesting. So, so Jesus, we, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this place, uh, for your word to us, your love for us. And God, today I just I bind the carnal mind and the emotions, the flesh, uh, every voice of, of accusation. God, I loose your spirit in this place, God, to uh, uh, bring to us exactly what you have for us. God, I lose faith in this place for us to receive exactly what you have for us, God. And I just pray that you would channel my thoughts and say exactly what it is that you want to say, God, that, that nothing but truth would be spoken in this place. God, that nothing but truth would be received in this place. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting moment. I don't don't know. I was just thinking about that. And uh, it's interesting because that guy actually, he he put out a few albums and and he quit because uh, being part of a record label and, and touring and all that stuff uh, cut into doing actual ministry. So so he, he quit altogether. And uh, um, so his name is Sean Groves, if you ever listen to his stuff. Really quite good. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, he actually, he does public speaking engagements and things like that, but he uh, he won't speak at a place where they're charging admission and uh and he also won't speak unless he lets them talk about his his uh uh kind of his pet projects as it were that he works with so neat guy really loves the lord <clears throat> so so this week I was thinking about faith you know I I grew up watching a lot of TV as uh as we all do I think in in our society and um I grew up watching this cartoon where I, I remember this one day this guy is telling these kids that are messing with him, he's like, look, I have had about enough. And so this kid jumps up on his shoulders and reaches down his throat and pulls out this dipstick and it says about enough on it way up here with this line. And there's some kind of substance 
but it's way it's way down here on the dipstick. He's like, nope, looks like you're gonna have to take some more. Rams the dipstick back down his throat. And uh, I thought, wow, it's like, man, that's brilliant. So, so, but you know the thing is, it's funny because you know the enemy always wants to get you to get your dipstick out. It's like, you know, where where is your faith then? It's like, well, show it to me. Show, then it's like, show me, is it in the hash marks or not? And it's like, well, I'd, I, I, I'm just staring at it. I'm not sure where the dipstick would be. <laughs> when, you know, right here. No, when I was, uh, thank you, thank you. When, when I was about 18 or so, uh, I had expressed no interest whatsoever in um, automotive maintenance when I was a child. And uh, my dad worked on cars because we were, you know, at that income level where you're up all hours of the night working on your car because it's the only car and and somebody has to go to work in the morning. And so we all know how much fun that is. And uh, and I've certainly been there myself. And so I decided I was going to buy a new car that didn't give me grief. But, uh, uh, and my dad would get really, really irritable and and then frustrated and then eventually explosively angry while he was working on a car, as working on cars will do. And uh, eventually my, my mother forbade him from working on the cars, and they bought a new car. Uh, I, I said all that to say that when I was 18 and I was driving and all that kind of thing, I did not know hardly anything about taking care of a car and my I was very stubborn and independent and so my dad had really not tried to show me much when he taught me how to drive that was a tear-jerking experience and and uh, you know I got my license and everything you know after I took driver's ed with someone who was nice and polite and not related to me and uh, that taught me how to drive <clears throat> but uh one day I was uh, driving along in my car, this 1980 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme, black tinted windows and like the gray vinyl top, and that thing was sexy. And uh, I was driving along in this gas-guzzling beast, and uh, it was making this noise. And I thought, well, I haven't done anything with, I haven't checked the oil in a while, and so I'm, you know staring at this mystery before me under the hood and and I was like, Oh, there's a dipstick So I check it and there's nothing on it. So I thought, okay, well this must be it. And so click with the oil and put it back in there and still making the noise. So I take the dipstick back out click 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 and put some more in there and it's still making this it finally quits. I'm like, okay. Fix that. I'm gonna go somewhere. I got some. I got places to go, places to be. And I'm driving along, and I notice this noise is back, and now it's louder. And uh, and I'm just driving along, and all of a sudden it seizes up. My engine just seizes up into a big rock, and I mean it just just dies while I'm driving 65 down the highway. My power steering is now gone and everything, and so I get over onto the shoulder and. Uh, like, well, well, that's awesome. And uh, um, long story short, 
turned out that I was actually dumping all that oil into the transmission, <laughs> and nothing was getting to the engine where it needed to be, which is where the noise was coming from. So, you know, so dipsticks can be a tricky thing. They can be quite deceptive, and uh, can't they? So, wrong kind of dipstick. Now, um, uh, so the enemy then wants to always get you to evaluate your faith, and which, depending on how you're coming at it uh, and who's asking the questions, that, that's not such a bad thing. But uh, you, you can rest assured that if the enemy is picking at you to evaluate your faith, then he probably has some nefarious reason for doing so. He's not like he's out for your good. So uh, go with me to Genesis 15. I came across this really interesting thing in the scriptures last night. And uh, so how many of you know that, uh, that the Bible is perfect and that it agrees from beginning to end? And if it appears to not agree, then it must be something spiritual, Yes. So I come across this thing because in Romans 4, and we're going to get there, gives you this glowing report of, of the faith of Abraham and how it's counted to him for righteousness and everything. And uh, you go back and you read the story in Genesis and it kind of seems to say something else. And so I found that quite interesting. But in, in Genesis 15, um, and I'm just going to read the first six verses here, I think. So God's been dealing with Abram, well, Abram at this point, for a while. And uh, um, he's, he's been, uh, been at war with the, uh, with the kings. He's met Melchizedek and all that. And it says, After these things came the word of the Lord to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram says, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said to me, You have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and he said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So then, so God starts out this this uh, interview, as it were, with this statement of his power and his sufficiency and, and the, the value that he is. He says, I am your shield, I'm your exceeding great reward, because you know that Abram is already thinking about about this, this um, thing with his uh, childlessness, and he's got all this wealth that he's going to pass on to Eliezer. And, of course, Eliezer is a great guy, but it's not the same. And so... So God's telling him, hey, you, know, I, you got me. And and so Abram says, okay, well then what about this? What about this thing? You know what I'm thinking about. You know about I'm going to leave my stuff to Eliezer and, and I, I've got no heir. And so God takes him out, gives him this promise. And it's interesting because it says he believes in the Lord. You know, he counted to him for righteousness and there's... It's interesting to me because when you're in the presence of God like that, it seems like anything that he says seems perfectly reasonable. And, and your faith just takes a hold of it. Like, 
Yes. Yes, I believe that. And and this word believed, believed is a is a great translation. You could also say that he trusted in the Lord. And so, you know, when somebody makes you a promise, you have to be able to trust them uh, that it's going to happen. Or or maybe you know better than to trust them, depending on who makes the promise. <laughs> but uh, uh, checks in the mail, Reverend. But uh, he... Uh, he so he trusted God. God tells him this thing that seems totally okay. So okay, and, and he doesn't say anything about Sarah here or Sarai. He doesn't say that I'm going to give you seed through her. He just says I'm going to give you children like the stars of the sky. And he's like, okay, great. And he makes this covenant with God. And you all know the story in 16 how. Uh, Sarai gives Hagar to Abram, and they have a child, Ishmael. And uh, um, and so clearly, it's not it. <clears throat> and so years later, um, as he's he's become attached to Ishmael and everything, in verse or in chapter seventeen, it says when Abram was ninety years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So so here he is again. You know, 13, 12, 13 years have passed since, since uh, chapter 15. And now he comes back and he says, okay, let's, let's try this again. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And the great thing about that, as you all know, is it's because he can. Not, not Abram can, but God can. And so the Word of God has creative power, just like when uh, Jesus said, "Be thou, or be thee therefore perfect, as your Father which is in heaven is perfect." It's the same kind of uh, creative pronouncement as "Let there be light," because the Word of God is is a creative thing. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. So he's reiterating this this thing that he's already told him. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, my, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. So he changes his name then from exalted father to father of a multitude. So, so here he still has this promise that he's just got this one kid. And, uh, you know, and I think God is making it plain to him here. Okay, that's not what I had in mind. So, let me remind you of this promise again. But now I'm going to change your name. Because, yes, you're you're Ishmael's father, but now I'm telling you, you're going to be a father of many nations. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, Abraham, thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee and their generations. And this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after you, every man-child among you should be circumcised. 
And you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. He that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. And every man-child in your generations, he that is born in your house, or bought with money of any stranger, which is not of your seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with money, must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And so he, so he talks about this covenant then. He's like, I'm, I'm giving you something to do here. Before I just, I told you that you were going to be, you're going to have seed like the sand of the sea. And now I'm telling you, I'm giving you something that you can focus on, something you can do here. And so he gives him this, this covenant of the circumcision. And so I think also that him changing his name is also indicative of that, uh, uh, of the circumcision because it, then he becomes uh, something different than he was before. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. So instead of God is my prince, you're going to call her princess. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations and kings of people shall be of her. And Abraham fell upon his face and laughed. And said in his heart, Shall a child be born to him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. This is interesting because this, this word for laughter, it means laughter. And it, it, can be, it could be uh, mirth. And it can be scornful. And the, the vast majority of the places you find this in the Old Testament, it's, it's scorn. It's this kind of this incredulous, huh, oh, okay, sure. And and so, you know, it doesn't say that he said that to God out loud, but God, of course, knows he's thinking it. So it's interesting because he, he laughs thinking, how how could that be? Like, he told me I was going to have children as the stars of the sea, or the sand of the sea. Kind of got started on the project, and now you're telling me that this is going to come through Sarai. Okay. I, I don't see how that could be. And Abraham said unto God, O that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear, indeed bear thee a son, and you will call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard thee, and behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear to you at the set time in the next year. And he left off talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. And Abraham took Ishmael his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. So so he, uh, it doesn't say that he didn't believe God, but he clearly is wrestling with the idea of how could that thing be. So he's, he's talking to God. He's in the presence of God like he was before. And now God is getting more specific about how I'm going to do this. It's like I told you this is what's going to happen. And now let me, let me you know, break this down to you a little closer. And so, so Abraham is, is struggling with the idea of, of how that could be. But he obeys the thing that God gave him to, gave him to do. 
And and so, you know, of, of course you have to, if if you believe God, then of course you you know that you have to obey Him. And so so then he, uh, so he he takes that step then of uh, of obeying God. And uh, skip over with me to verse or to chapter eighteen. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and he bowed himself to the ground, and he said, My Lord, if now I found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray of thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves into the tree. Now fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, and after that you shall pass on. For therefore are you come to, do, to your servant. And they said, So do as you have said. Actually, I think I meant to start later on. Okay, uh, now. <clears throat> and Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes on the hearth. Because, of course, a woman's place is in the kitchen. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um. I, I, I let Cynthia go everywhere in the house. <laughs> and Abraham ran into the herd, and he fetched a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to the young man, to a young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. So clearly, they're not vegan. So that's good. Okay. Sorry, I just I just had to throw that out there. I I saw somebody with this sticker on their car. These stickers on their car are all these Christian bumper stickers, and then they had all these very like self-righteous vegan bumper stickers on their car. I thought that seems very contradictory to me. <laughs> Exploiting those poor animals. Anyway, so they said, "Where is Sarah thy wife?" And he said, "Behold, in the tent." And he said, "I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life." So on this ordinary day, here comes this promise again. Just on a day he wasn't really looking for it. <clears throat> according to the, I will return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return to thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I didn't laugh. I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. So then they both laughed. And, and God's already told them, you're going to name this child Isaac, which of course means laughter. So I find it interesting then, that uh, that they they both laughed with this sense of how could that possibly be? How could that ever happen? And and uh, something uh, that I find interesting here, a few verses down, the men rose up from thence and they looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do just, justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. 
So God knew this stuff about Abraham then that Abraham didn't necessarily know about himself. And so God makes these choices in our life and, and he knows things about you that, that you don't know. And, you know, we all, I think, have that sense of what what does God see in me that, that he would choose me. And, and yet he knows what it is that he can make your life into. He knows what he has planned on doing. He's already got it all set up. And besides that, because you're breathing, because you are uh, a human being, he loves you. Because you are uh, you are part of Adam's race. And so he has chosen you to become a part of the, the, the race of the second man, Adam. So skip over with me again to verse 20, or chapter 21. Keep wanting to call it verse. So you all know the story of Lot and his escape from Sodom and and uh, and all the things that happened there and and uh, and how Abraham, uh, you know, got in this mess and nearly lost Sarah to uh, Abimelech and all that stuff. In chapter twenty-one, and the Lord visited Sarah as He had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as He had spoken. And Sarah conceived, and she bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Funny question. We all know the answer. Well, God said that. You know, we've, we've been over that around here. So, so they named him Isaac, just like God said to. And so I think, to me, it seems like there's a sense of, of this memory of... Uh, you remember when you thought, how on earth could I possibly do that? Here he is. You know, again, and so through all this, you, you see Sarah and Abraham wrestling to, to believe God. You know, it, never, it never says that they don't believe him. It, it never comes out and tells you that they, they did not believe. But they, they laughed because they thought, how could that be? How, you, how would that ever possibly happen? So go over with me to Romans 4. And I I actually kind of started out over here yesterday, and uh, and I thought, I'm going to go back and read that in Genesis. And I thought, huh, this seems to be a bit different. So this must be something spiritual then. So I chewed on it for a while and prayed, because as you know, you, you don't just swallow meat, you, you chew on it a bit. So in so we're talking about Abraham, and uh, we're talking about um, how how he received the the sign of circumcision, and and, and how he was justified before God with that faith, and uh, which you know of course we saw that in Genesis 15, and so I'm going to go down to. Yeah, 13 looks good. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, 
but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, then faith is made void, and the promise is made of none effect. Because the law works wrath, and where the law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only that which is of the law, but also that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. So I think that's kind of the, the crux here about what he's getting ready to say because it says that God calls these things which be not as though they were. And uh, and that's what it says in the Young's and, uh, and in the Darby. When you look at some of the other translations, several of them come up with he calls into existence those things which do not exist. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I've always taken this verse to be talking about that that righteousness because when you look at yourself, you don't necessarily see yourself as being righteous but because god proclaims that you are by his merits then you you take that by faith that okay well then i don't see that but he calls those things which be not as though they were and and so says that abraham who against hope believed in hope that he might be the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall i seed be so he had this word from god and and uh, against hope, he believed in hope. So he was hoping that this thing could come to pass. I I I, I believe that this thing can happen somehow. You know, and the thing about hope, you know, we use hope kind of differently nowadays uh, in modern English. Like, you know, do you think this is going to work? Well, I hope so. You know, but. Uh, when they were translating this into English 400 some odd years ago, uh, hope was something different. It was kind of this this expectation of good uh, with the expectation of receiving it. So, so he then, Abraham, expected to receive this even though he couldn't see how it could be. So... Uh, so the, so shall I see be, 19. And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. But back in Genesis, it, it said he laughed and he said, well, I'm 100 years old. And Sarah's, I mean, she's pretty, but she's old. And and so it's interesting because you know God is, is saying something uh, mysterious here, I think. But... He, you know, the, the, all the questions and all of the the wrestling that that Abraham and Sarah went through uh, still were um, insufficient next to the Word of God, you know, because uh, you know because God kind of just took Abraham by the hand and He said, "Okay, I know you're struggling with this, Sarah. I know you're struggling with this, but I will." Come back at the time of life, and you are going to have a child because I said so. When I was a child, I thought when I because I said so was the most unjust uh, thing that uh, my parents could come up with for a reason why they told me yes or no on something. Usually no. Like, well, it's like, what do you mean because I said so? You know, and as 
and I got older and I had children and I was like, that is a perfectly reasonable response. <laughs> because you are my child, I'm the boss here, because I said so. And that there ends the matter. So in fact if you said to my children, because I said so out of the blue, they would probably just say, and there ends the matter. Because they hear it all the time. Not that it really works, but um, so he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. So tells you that he, in the beginning, when God told him, gave him this word, he said that he that he believed, and and that he he just kept holding on to God, and so God just brought him through this process where where they 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 wrestled and they thought you know if you know if the windows of heaven were open could this thing be and sure enough it could be because God can and so every time God would reiterate these promises to Abraham he would start out talking about how I'm your shield I'm your exceeding great reward I'm the Almighty God. Walk before me, be perfect. So, so he starts out with, "Hey, I'm a creative God. I, I, I speak, and things happen." You know, you, you go back to Genesis one one. It's like in the beginning, you know. It's like God says, "Let there be light," and there was no sun, there was no lamp, there was no flashlight on a cell phone. There was just light. Because he said, let there be light, and so light was. And so the Word of God has that kind of power. So, But Abraham wrestled through this stuff. And, and you see that in Genesis, that he wrestled through it. But then, you, he, having come through that stuff here, Paul talks about it in Romans, like, he had this thing down cold. He believed it, and this thing worked. So so then can can you believe God and still wrestle to hold on to it? Can you be okay if you're wrestling and holding on to what God told you? And it and it feels kind of slippery? I'll let you think about that for a minute. So I know the answer that I'm looking for. <clears throat> now therefore him being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So there goes that belief again. Just like he said in Genesis 15. Now it is not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Because God's going to give you promises. And sometimes they're going to be a mite slippery. And, and sometimes... You're just going to have to hang on to them and and wrestle a bit. So who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. 
So Abraham believed against hope. He believed in hope. You know, hope is a great place to start. You know, it's like, well, you know, I hope so. It's like, well, I, I have hope. I have this expectation that God is going to do X, Y, and Z in my life, just like he's told me he will. And uh, while I am growing and wrestling to take a hold of that, I'm going to start with hope. I, I have the expectation that this is going to work out. I don't see how. And sometimes I kind of want to laugh at the idea that this could ever work. You know, if, if you had asked me ten years ago if I would ever have a, a, a house of my own, if I would ever get out of renting apartments and that kind of thing and have a house, I would have laughed. <laughs> no. I, that, I had kind of settled that issue already because I didn't think it was possible. And, and so then God started dealing with me about that. He's like, no, impossible for you or impossible for me? Well, um, since you put it that way, impossible for me. So what are, you, what are you saying? I like this. I like where this is going. Um, so, so we start then with, if, you know, if you've got to start with the very basic hope that I, I, just, I just have hope that this is going to all work out okay, hope makes not ashamed. So there, there's no reason to be ashamed of hope. Um, I'm going to read just one verse over in Hebrews. You can turn there with me if you'd like. But because I know where I'm going, I'm probably going to beat you there. And I'll have it read by the time you get there. Um, verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So there it is again. She laughed. She wrestled with it. But but here... The, the the author of Hebrews says that she judged him faithful that promised. So that's a great place to go when when your promise seems too fantastic to to really grab onto. It's like, well, but but this is God that promised it to me, and I know He's faithful, so He 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 can't lie, and He's not going to lie to me. So you know, no matter what this promise seems like when I look at it, I know that he is faithful to promised. So so I've got hope, I've got expectation that this thing is going to work out right. So so faith then. No dipstick. Nothing, you know, and you know, sometimes God will give you something to to to, to focus on like like giving Abraham this covenant of the circumcision. He's like, "Okay. So I'm going to change your name to reiterate my promise, and then I'm going to have you do something uh, in obedience to me, and uh, and this is all going to work out great. So if God gives you something to do, then by all means, do it. So God, we just we thank you for this day, for your word to us, and we just pray that your Holy Spirit would do exactly what you want to do in this place today. God, that you would have complete liberty with every heart, with every life. God, that... God, you know everyone who's going to be here today, and you know what every heart needs. And, and I pray that you would 
soften our hearts to receive as we come, Lord God, and that uh, the oil of your presence would uh, would just bring that softening, God, and that, that as we come into your presence, that uh, uh, that offering of, of praise and worship would, would come, uh, God, as, as easily as anything to us, God. I just, I pray, God, that we would bring you that offering today, God, and that we would receive from you those things that you have for us, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray.